welcome again, everybody, to We Want to Talk About It Now. Uh, as always, our classic shout-out to Julie Gibson, our one subscriber. We really should start catering all of these to you, Julie, so that it feels a little more personal than we've been making it. But uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't have that kind of time to like do research on you and be super creepy, so you're welcome. In the subject that we're going to talk about, and it's also a subject that is one interesting and two hard to learn about. If like you just have to find time to go and learn about it, if you want to, um, we're going to be talking about neuroscience. It's one of my old friends, Kevin Steed, who is a PhD candidate at BYU. Um, and so, what he is working on, I believe it's neuroscience, right? That's my degree. Yeah. So he's working on a PhD in neuroscience. Uh, so perfect subject for today. Um, so he's been a professor. He's a husband, a father, and I have down here that he is also a nerd. And that is why he likes neuroscience and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Harry Potter and pew, pew, pew and all that. I was going to say stupid stuff, but <laughs> that's, not, that's unfair because I actually like most of those things that I just named off. Um, so I've known him my entire life. We grew up in the same area. I mean, obviously like my first few years, I don't remember anything. So maybe I shouldn't count maybe three ages. Yeah. Maybe three or four. (laughs) Uh, Definitely by age four. I think he went to one of my birthday parties. Um, so the reason that I wanted him as a guest is because he's very knowledgeable in the subject. Um, I have written down here, uh, since we talk about movies a lot, He's not quite beautiful mind smart, but maybe someday, maybe you will be able to win a Nobel Prize. Um, he, but he I, hope, is, I hope that I get the Nobel Prize part of beautiful mind yeah. and not the and psychosis not part. Not the of, schizophrenia. Yeah. Uh, sir, you're schizophrenic. Well, do I get a Nobel Prize? <laughs> All right, I'll take it. He's been published a few times. He mentioned to me that not for neuroscience, but I didn't care. Uh, still, he's been published more times than I have, unless like you count BuzzFeed, in which case I am published. Uh, society, and then he spoke at a conference called the Society for Neuroscience. Uh, anything that you would want to add to that or welcome? I don't know. No, I'm just uh, happy to be here talking and getting the message out. The message out. <laughs> We'd like to convert you all to neuroscience because it's very, well, hyperbolic and being a little bit um, flippant with that statement I just said, but that's something that I have written down here. I feel like every single person has some sort of connection to someone with a neurological disorder. Absolutely. Every single one of us has to know at least one person that one or A has it or B will eventually have it. And as far as that goes, like it's basically like heart disease, cancer, and neurological disorders. As far as like the big three of like, we all know someone that has had this happen to them. Um, so I did a little bit of research and by a little bit of research, I went on to Wikipedia. (laughs) So what it seems like is neuroscience is just mainly dealing with the brain and the spinal cord. So neuroscience is and nerves, a surprisingly broad field and an emerging field because a, we, we don't know a whole lot about the brain and the way that it works. We know a lot. We just don't know everything. Um, and in order to study the brain, you have to involve so many different fields, like to image the brain, you have to include physicists and electrical engineers and mathematicians. And then you have to look at the physiological side of it and biology and the anatomical side. And then you also have the psychological and the behavioral side of neuroscience. So there's so many different fields that 
that's really the reason that I went into to neuroscience is it, it interested me so much just about the brain, but then also the brain connects to everything. And so neuroscience in its most basic sense is yes, the brain and spinal cord and nerves, but it's, it's actually a lot broader than that. Did you mentioned a couple different things there for neuroscience? Is there a specific focus that you have as far as like the field of neuroscience goes? So my focus is specifically in degenerative diseases and more specifically Alzheimer's disease. Um, yes, (laughs) got it right. Um, and uh, partially the physiological side of that. My, my background is also in molecular biology, and so I deal somewhat in that. And then uh, I also image the brain uh, using MRI, so there's, there's that aspect of it as well. I know that you have spoke to me a number of times about your uh, rats and mice that are... I forget what the vernacular I'm supposed to use. Transgenic? Well, no, that's not, not even <laughs> not even close to the word I was thinking. No, no, no. They're being sacrificed? They're being... Yeah, sacrificed. Is in the name of science, right? In the name of science. Sacrificed in the name of science. What have you um, been doing with them? Uh, like, what exactly are you trying to find? Because, like, have you been doing, like, the studies that the, the huge study that just came out where, like, oh, we reversed Alzheimer's and mice. Like, are you trying that thing or? No, uh, not entirely. And I, I saw that, that link that you posted, which is a pretty cool study. And it is pretty groundbreaking. Okay. Um, but all studies like that you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because with mice, you you're artificially causing them to have this disease. So you can't draw direct conclusions into what's happening in in a human. You can draw a lot of big conclusions and it it helps to to forward the studies. That's why we use mice is because we can actually see what might be going on and then see how that's gonna happen in humans. Sorry, just a question. You say we cause Alzheimer's in mice, like we force it on them. Right. I don't understand if we know how to this, this is probably a stupid question. If we know how to force it onto someone, like, well, I guess, is Alzheimer's basically like things are just starting to deteriorate? So what you do is you go into the mice and you start to deteriorate those parts of the brain? Or, like, how do you make them ultimately sacrifice themselves for uh, Alzheimer's? For Alzheimer's, yeah. Uh, so we, in my studies, we use transgenic mice, which is the key term I was trying to throw yeah. out there. Um <laughs> But that basically means that we we alter their genetic makeup and we give them extra genes that we know are associated with Alzheimer's disease. So basically developing the the characteristic pathologies of Alzheimer's disease, so the problems with Alzheimer's. So we give that to the mice. They don't normally develop that, or it's very rare for mice. And then they develop similar characteristics to what we see in humans. And then we can draw conclusions from that and, and base our tests on it. The study that you you posted, um, they they actually go in and they completely delete a certain gene that is required for for all animals or all all mammals, humans, mice, whatever, um, for a specific purpose that is also associated with Alzheimer's disease. And because they deleted that gene, they now the the mice in their study had lower rates of Alzheimer's disease, so they effectively reversed it. The issue with that, and the, the grain of salt that I was talking about earlier, is that you can't just delete someone's gene yet. We, we, we don't really know how to do that effectively. 
So the way they would have to do it in humans is they would have to go and, and give them some type of inhibitor or some type of drug that would block that gene from doing its job and then potentially reverse Alzheimer's disease that way. The problem with that then is we don't know the other effects of blocking that gene. I forget exactly how we got on this. Right. Well, because <laughs> well, ultimately the question was like, how did you, like, what do you do to mice? What do you, so sick, what I sick do. human being, <laughs> do to those poor innocent mice? This is actually, this is actually like a huge trick I'm pulling on. This isn't about neuroscience. Oh, no. This is about the unethical behavior that you have been exhibiting on these mice. Now we see that PETA, PETA flag coming out. Yeah, I'll tell you what though, if you could figure it out, that'd be great. Because the, the reason that Alzheimer's in particular is influential important to me more than anything is because there's a history of it in my family and it's a recurring history not just like a one-time case that you see sometimes and so basically being in a family of nine i guarantee one of us is going to get it in my family probably more if we here's what's crazy too like if we live to see it because like uh not like too much on my family history like my father's side is where so my grandma had alzheimer's a lot of his siblings, one are young or died kind of young, so maybe they just never got to that point either. Right. But I would just, that's just kind of my reason and why I'm interested in it, and because I, I will eventually probably have it. Uh, so if you could reverse it, that'd be great. That's, that's what I'm getting to. It would be great. So if that takes the mice, I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay for their funerals. Uh, I'm well, okay that, that being said, we... We do have to go through all sorts of um, approval processes, and we have a, a, a um, advisory board that looks over all of our protocols to make sure that we are treating the mice humanely, and that even though they are dying in the name of science, being sacrificed in the name of science, we do everything we can possibly do to make sure that it is painless, or as little pain as possible, and that it, it, it's for a good cause. Uh, that being said, my research involves um, certain strains of transgenic mice, so they've been given extra genes, uh, and we, we want to look at not necessarily the genetic side of it, but more the environmental or lifestyle side of it. Uh, if you look at Alzheimer's disease, there are about 5.5 million people with Alzheimer's disease in the U.S. right now. Um, and the number is just increasingly increasing every year. Um, do you think that has anything to do with um, our life expectancy getting better? I don't. I don't have any stats on this. Um, but like, I, that, that's like what my point with my family is too. Like, if we live longer, it just ups the chances that we're going to see these problems and these symptoms occur in a person. Right. 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 Okay. I do. Um, actually, if you look at the history of Alzheimer's disease, it was discovered in 1906. At least that was the first recorded case by Dr. Alzheimer. Yeah. <laughs> always always great to get a disease named after you. Even though he wasn't necessarily the first one, one to characterize it. Just his case got the name. Um, anyway, the early 1900s, the turn of, the, of that century, was actually the first time that there was a, a statistically significant number of uh, seniors of, of 65 plus that before that time, they there were people who lived that old that just wasn't a huge population, mm -hmm. and so that's the first time that it reached you know over a million. I, I don't know the exact exact number, but it became a, a significant population. 
interesting that that's exactly the point where this disease that mainly affects 65 and older starts to to come about. So I, I definitely agree that it's the it's age is is playing a role, but not everyone who gets old or is 65 or older develops Alzheimer's disease. It's not just a normal part of aging, which I, I think is a common misconception. Just because you're getting old doesn't mean you're going to get Alzheimer's disease or dementia for that matter. Um, I have another question. So do you think if, let's say science gets awesome and we can... Not, science is awesome. Well, science is awesome. But like, <laughs> like say, science gets awesome in the sense like, all right, we can prolong people's life like to where they aren't just like wearing diapers. Right. Um, we can, like you could live until you're like 120. Would you feel comfortable postulating like we'll see... Alzheimer's move to like a different age like you'll start to develop Alzheimer's around 100 instead of like 65 or is, does that even have anything to do with it because we see Alzheimer's at least as far as I know only in older people most of the cases the majority of the cases are there cases 99 or? to 95% of the cases are 65 and older there's people well, and then like but and like then are the early, last one percent like early on fifty five early onset happens it can happen as early as thirty oh wow between thirty and and, and older but it's only about one five percent so that would be like fifty thousand five right. million haven't okay it still seems like a lot of people even though like fifty thousand compared to three hundred sixty million in the United States right or is the five million for the United States yeah yeah okay yeah um so it, it, it's interesting you say that. If we look at um, the history of life expectancy, right? If you go back to, I don't know, 300,000 years ago when, and I'm no evolutionary biologist, so I don't know the dates exactly, but you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just trust your time. <laughs> when, when early humans were evolving and changing, you know, from the early Neanderthals and, and all that into Homo sapiens... That took hundreds of thousands of years and millions of years before that to get to this point. And the life expectancy of those people, and even the early civilizations like 10,000 years ago, life expectancy for the average Joe was really only between 35 and 45, right? And then you hit 1800s and 1900s, and all of a sudden we go from 45 to 80 in 100 years, Right. Yeah. Now the life expectancy of most third world countries is 77 to, I think... Third world or first? First world, sorry. Yeah, first okay. world countries is 77 to 79 at the, at the highest. So you have this huge increase in life expectancy and the, the way the, the brain was created took much longer to, to you know, work out those kinks. And so we're just living a lot longer than when the brain was really meant to live for the for the general population people in you know in in ancient greece socrates lived to his 70s so it's not unheard of for people to live past 65 even in in ancient history but it wasn't very common that's actually one of my hypothesis hypotheses for uh it's a hypothesis i have (laughs) for um just everything in general People who listen to this podcast, hey Julie, um, <laughs> Julie, remember that time that I came over to your house for that party? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting too meta, too meta. <laughs> uh, my hypothesis is that, I mean, you're talking about evolution 
Because what's crazy is I feel like life expectancy has gone up because of technological advances that we I made. agree. And I feel that because we're making these technical lot technological advances so quickly, like if you think about it, we we can fly. <laughs> like we can fly <laughs> and no one consider that a possibility. And all of the I mean, obviously like you have the the Wright brothers, I don't know what the year is, I don't really care. But like we're they flying like Quickly, safely, for the most part, anywhere we want, we can fight in planes as well. All in the period of 100 years, all of human history, let's just put a number on it. Let's say it's 10,000 years. Like, And in 100 years, we got flight, and we're doing pretty good at perfecting it. Because um, I feel like a lot of problems and things that people complain about mainly come from these technological advances that we've we've made and so that's i have never heard that before so a lot of the problems that we are seeing is just because like well we didn't see it before because normally it should happen later on right okay right and is that would you say that's true of like a lot of neurological disorders like because you know als can be pretty early in life ms so along along those same lines the s's the <laughs> why are the s's uh, it's just because it's, just it's a syndrome. It no, it's actually sclerosis. Sclerosis, that's right. Yeah. So the the advances of technology and modern medicine really have allowed us to to push the barrier of, of living a lot longer. But along this, those same lines, um, in order to maintain a population that lives this long, we've had to make other changes, right, in, in our diets and in the pollution that we expose ourselves to, I think that is a major contributor to the development of these diseases and Alzheimer's specifically. That, that's exactly what I'm looking into with my own experiments is how are the diets that we expose ourselves to over this you know, extra 40 years, how is that going to change the genetics of the brain and, and affect um, this person's behavior over that over that extended period of time have you discovered anything as far as that not or seen quite anything yet. Yet? <laughs> well I, that's just i'm not like on the spot just like out of curiosity because that would be insane to me like yeah turn i know like this is being a little bit catty in a way but like yeah it turns out gluten uh, gives you like, turns out that gluten is bad for you and it will give you alzheimer's like that would be and i know it's hard to like prove causality but it would be interesting to see something like that because we are living so much different than yeah. just and like you just said like even just like the last 40 years yeah all the processing that we can do with yeah. food to make it that much more accessible right well and without getting off topic because i don't want to get off of neuroscience but uh evolutionary biology is, is a, an amazing subject and if you think about it if you think about um, natural selection and the, this idea of survival of the fittest that throughout all of history only the strongest or the most able were able to survive because they developed certain genes that gave them that advantage and that was passed on and you know 100,000 years later another gene would come along that made this next group more able and so, so on and so forth now we're living so long that we're able to pass all these genes down that aren't necessarily making us more able to live, but because of technology and modern science, we're actually overcoming that. And for, for lack of a better term, we're almost de-evolving just because we're, we're halting evolution in that, in, in, in its, because science, in its process science is as so far awesome. as we understand it. Exactly. Because of science. 
And I, I can't say if that's a bad thing because people are living longer uh, in, in the long run. How's that going to affect us? I don't know. I don't know if it will affect us, but it's interesting to think about. So true. Because I think of all the people alive on this earth. <laughs> oh, I think of all the people alive on this earth, and I'm just like, uh, it's like uh, what Dwight says in the office, like, oh, the world needs another plague. <laughs> But what's an and I think I'm a I'm a huge proponent of science. I can't claim that I know a whole lot regarding it or anything like that. But I do feel, for the most part, this might be. A, I feel like the people who badmouth science a lot generally are the people who benefit from it the most and don't even realize it. Yeah. Because this is going to sound very elitist, probably, but it's usually those who would not have survived. Are usually not as intelligent either. That probably sounds bad. <laughs> and science is keeping them alive. And anyways, they talk so much crap on science. <laughs> and I want to get. I also don't want to get too off the neuroscience thing. I have another. Can question. I make one comment? Is it about killing people? It's a, no, it's not about genocide, genocide? or no. uh, eugenics or anything like that. I just found out that what fratris. Fratricide. Fratricide. <laughs> I just learned that's a word. Yeah. It's when you kill your father, by the way. <laughs> we have way too many way too many words. Sorry, go. In in uh, the mouse facility, um, at one of the facilities that I've worked at in the past, I saw a poster, and I, I always thought it was funny as I walked by it. Uh, it had a picture of all these protesters in, f- in front of some animal uh, research facility with all these boards up, uh, you know, calling for the halting of research on animals. And the caption said, because of animal research, you can protest for 34.5 years longer, <laughs> which is so true, right? Because of these advances that we've made by testing on, on certain animals, we have, we have allowed humans to live much longer than, than they were supposed to. Uh, yeah, or able to. I well, guess. and I assume most of those people protesting likely don't eat meat. I would, I would assume most I of them know. are vegetarians or vegans. But like, <laughs> it would be very ironic, um, not in the Alanis Morissette set, uh, way, but the actual correct use of the word. If like they were meat eaters as well, I'm just like okay, well, <laughs> calm down there. Uh, so Kevin is also professor. Um, he's got the red chili pepper on Rate My Professor. So all you, to the all, you, all you people hearing his voice right now, just try to imagine what he looks like and add a little spice to your life. To the dismay of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to mention her? You already said that I was married. Oh, you're right. I did. So what I wanted to ask is, could you... I don't want this to like be a really long thing, but almost just like a brief rundown of what neuroscience is and how... It affects us. I know you kind of did already, mm-hmm. but I, I want a little bit like more than what you gave. <laughs> you want more. I want more. I want it now. So neuroscience is, is really the study of the brain and how it affects us. There's lots of different fields within neuroscience. Um, and like I said, I, I focus more on the, the neurodegenerative side of that and how our, our brain degenerates with certain diseases and, and with age. There, there are tons and tons of branches and disorders that affect all sorts of different people. Along the, those same lines, uh, 
like I said, with the other branch of the psychology or the psychological side of neuroscience um, and the, the understanding of who, who we are as people, how we um, behave, how we react to certain things, you know, that's, that's a whole another branch that I'm not even aware of and, and knowledgeable on. Um, so yeah, that, that generally is, is the, is the field of neuroscience. So I'm going to put you on the spot again. We had a conversation a week ago, um, where we were kind of getting ready to talk about this. Mm-hmm. How do are most neurological disorders like fairly dege- like you do degeneration are most of them like that where it's just like we come in like whatever happens like it starts eating the brain and do we know what is doing that yeah the uh yes and no there are certain cases w- within each disease there are certain genetic contributions that contribute to a, a certain percentage of that disease with Alzheimer's disease, you've got the two branches, the early onset, which is almost entirely genetic caused, uh, which is why it sets on so early. Uh, but that's only about one to 5%, depending on who you're getting your statistics from. And then you've got the late onset, which is, you know, 65 and plus 95% of the people who have that disease. But really we can only explain it with genes for about I don't know, 30 to maybe 50%. The other half, we just have no idea. Take ALS, you know, with the, the, everyone learned about it through the ice bucket challenge because I'm sure that 90% of the people... <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I think a lot of people learned about it through a one Lou Gehrig. <laughs> That's true. Like, oh, it's, it's a disease named after a baseball player. Now I am interested in it. If like you call that the Shaquille O'Neal disease or the Shaq disease, people are going to be looking people it up too. We'll look, we'll look it. it up. Exactly. Um, Catchy name. Same thing with it. There, there are, there's a small percentage that is described by genetics. And then the other, it's, it's almost 90% or more is they don't know what it what is. Does that it's mean? called sporadic. What does described by genetics? It just means we can so point at these genetic markers the you have and say, that's why you have the disease. For 90%, we, can say, we can't say why they have the disease. We just know that they've got it. But they don't have the genetic markers. They don't have any other major contributing factors. Because we haven't discovered those yet. We either haven't discovered the, the genetics for it, okay. or it's not genetics and it's more environmental. And that's what you're looking at. Oh, okay. Looking All right. That makes, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> uh, Same thing with Parkinson's disease. Certain subset has genetics that can explain it. Certain subset does not. So that there's, there's a lot of diseases like that where genetics dis- define and explain part of it, and it's usually a smaller percentage than the side that doesn't. And so that either means we need to understand the genetics better, which is true. I, I have no doubt that there's certain genetics that contribute to it that we just haven't figured out. But there's also, I think, a, a large environmental impact on, on those diseases. Would you say that those affected by, like those where you can see those, I don't, I'm, I'm calling them genetic markers just yeah, just because, um, would you say that those affected by the genetic markers see a faster progression of the disease than those who don't? In some cases, yes. But not, not like definitive. Always. Yeah, okay. not definitively, but in, in a lot of cases it is. For like uh, MS, for example, um, that is a more of an autoimmune disease rather than a genetic 
con uh, genetic contribution. So there are some cases where they, they can point to a gene and say, well, that's why you've got MS. But the vast majority, they don't know exactly what triggered it, but most of the times it's some viral infection that set off their immune system to then attack the, the, the nerves, the, the myelin sheaths of the nerves. There's so there, there's environmental, there's our own body that's fighting against us, there's the genes of our own body that are fighting against us, and then some people just make really dumb decisions, and I'm, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but they play football, oh. <laughs> or they you know engage in, in very intense boxing, or sports that, that damage their brain, and that's, that's completely on them. Is that complete? But is that? I'm assuming that is significantly different than like these genetic. Mic well, well, someone who like let's say that plays football. What, what disease would they normally? Is there like a specific one where it's like, oh, you're doing football, most likely you're getting MS, most likely you're getting ALS. I don't know. Um, should, if, if you what's, keep, the, what's that? The, uh, concussions. Yeah. What's what's the? Uh, I, oh, I can't remember. CTE. What. CTE. That's right. So they they characterize that as a disease. CTE is actually not too dissimilar from Alzheimer's disease. When you look at the brain after they're dead. Mm -hmm. How come you can't, they always say we can't show what CTE is until like you're dead. That's actually another aspect that I'm trying to look into because with Alzheimer's disease, you can't definitively say it's Alzheimer's disease until you look at the brain under autopsy. Uh, because the, the they, we call them amyloid plaques or tau tangles. Two different things, not and, or, but and, amyloid plaques and tau tangles uh, develop in the brain, essentially choking these cells to death, and you can't see them. You can't, even in an MRI, it doesn't visualize those, those proteins because they look like the proteins around everything else. It just all looks the same to a, a scanner. Um, we're working on a technique that might be able to differentiate between the those proteins a little bit but at this point you, you just can't see it until the disease is so progressed that you really do see some of the 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 normal when they're alive when they're it alive. has to be so super advanced though. super advanced in that their brain is shrinking in size and it's been, the extra space is taken up by cerebral spinal fluid and so you start to see those types of things. and timeline is different for everyone on timeline something like is that totally, yeah but generally, it follows the same steps and same progression, which is why they, they can say, you're at this point, or you're at this point of the disease, even though they're, they're making their best guess. If I'm understanding this correctly, there isn't just like you have Alzheimer's, you got 10 years before like everything is gone. It's just like, first, you're going to forget this. Like I think it's pretty short-term memory is going to go first, and then your long-term memory is going to go, and then you're not going to be able to eat, and yep. then you're ultimately going to starve to death. Is that the progression? Right, unless something, some other disease kills you first, which it probably it, happens. It happens quite a bit, which is another thing. You know, Alzheimer's disease is, is the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. What? Yeah. Huh. It I'm is. gonna have to. I'm gonna check that. Go, go, right Google now. that. Fact check. Leading Fact check. causes of death in the U.S. U.S. There you go. It's the sixth leading. Cause no of way. Death. That's insane. It is. People no, I, I believe you. People just, don't realize that it, it, it kills so many people. Huh. And most of them are old, so they say, "Oh, well, they were gonna die." Higher in than diabetes. Yeah. Sorry, diabetes. Just one step. 
man. Well, and then like you have, because like I'm looking at this list, heart disease, cancer, two that I mentioned, so I'm smart. <laughs> They're one and two. Yeah. Chronic lower respiratory disease? Yeah. That's that just means. pulmonary disease, lungs. Could lung cancer count as that? Yeah. Well, a lot of times they throw that in the, the cancer section. The, the pulmonary disease, chronic pulmonary disease is damage to the lungs in other ways that aren't cancer. Okay. And then accidents. Yeah. Uh, is number accidents. four. Which, Which I, I don't feel a like lot count. of them are like suicides. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, even like I would like drunk driving. Yeah, I, I mean like any because that could really. be so. Well, yeah, any but like, I just think that encompasses so yeah, many. It does encompass a lot. That's why it's number four. Stroke isn't that brain? Yeah. So that's like neurological as well. Yes, but that's more. That has more to do with, uh, in many cases, the um, heart and circulatory system and high blood pressure and you know genetics as well. Is that blood not but getting to the blood brain? Blood getting to the brain and okay. causing either a bleed or. A, um, I'm not liking my odds of life like as I'm like I'm reading this. I'm like I have a person in my family who had that. Who had that? Get off of WebMD. Who had that? (laughs) (laughs) I got ten years to live. But wow, I would not. I would. I you. They have that on like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, I might be dating myself with that reference. (laughs) They have that on any sort of game show. I have no idea. I would not be able to guess like Alzheimer's disease. That's insane. I think we. I I already asked this question, but I'm going to ask it again. Ultimately, all neurological disorders end with the brain eating itself or um, disintegrating, whatever word you want to use. Not necessarily. Uh, there, there are so many different I was looking that up. Diseases. There's tons there's of neurological tons, diseases. I was like, tons. yeah, there's only like three or a thousand. So, <laughs> there's a thousand of them. So you, you've got diseases within the brain that only affect the brain. Um, and you know the brain. You, when you affect the brain, you affect the rest of the body. But then there are other diseases that affect the nerves that lead from the brain to the muscles. And then you have diseases that affect the interaction between nerves and muscles. Like ALS and that, that's ALS right. and MS, right? Right. So, yeah, and uh, Parkinson's. Right. And then there, there are even even more neurological disease that you, you call them neuromuscular diseases because they affect both the neur- the neurological side and the muscular. So that's like Parkinson's disease and ALS, MS. They're kind of somewhere in between. And how does like the neuromuscular ones work? It's ultimately just the brain stops communicating to these parts of the bodies to like function. Yeah. In a lot of the cases it's the brain stops commuting communicating either because the the pathway is destroyed so the nerves from the brain to the muscle are destroyed or the the things that communicate from the nerve to the the muscle called neurotransmitter they get degraded or the receptors that that understand that signal get degraded on the muscle so in in some way or another it's the brain not being able to communicate to the muscle and because of that lack of communication, the muscle atrophies, the nerve cells will atrophy and die. If, if you don't use it, literally, everyone knows the saying, yeah. if you don't use it, you lose it, right? And that's, you're talking about like the synapses, like if you're not using those, right. they're going to start to, uh, what was the word that you just used? Degenerate. Degenerate. 
Man, so is there a way to... Because well, like you're describing that to me. like We know exactly what's happening with some of these diseases. Why can't we stop them? That's a very, I'm not like saying it's like your fault. <laughs> like freaking Kevin, he's not, he hasn't cured ALS, he hasn't cured MS. Uh, like those ones specifically, like Alzheimer's, because um, like you mentioned, like you have to die in order to see those um, those things, right. and, like what actually happened within right. it. But we know they're there even yeah. before that you get close to death. So the the issue is, can we get to it and do we have something that can do something to fix it? Right. So do we have a drug that can A, penetrate the blood-brain barrier in neurodegenerative diseases, or B, even affect what's happening in some way positively, right? So each disease is totally different in the way that you have to treat it, and so there's just so many different ways that we have to try and figure out to treat these Mm -hmm. diseases. If you look specifically at Alzheimer's disease, We've known about it for a really long time, and we haven't been able to do anything about it, right? There are treatments out there, but they're not very effective. Usually their effectiveness is between the 30 and 40% range, meaning 30 or 40% of the people who get this treatment show improvement or at least slow down the the degeneration, whereas the 60 to 70% see no effect. So the, the drugs are not getting into the brain or they're just not being, they're not an effective target and, and it's tough. So what a lot of the, a lot of the researchers are looking at amyloid plaques or tau tangles, right? Those are the two main things, the two big culprit. Look it up. Look that up. <laughs> I know you. I know you like said that once already, and I was just like, "That sounds like a made-up word." Like I feel like he's like trying to like trying to sneak in some words. I'm just like, "Yeah, that sounds like a tau tangles." <laughs> I, so they're, they're I spelled it incorrectly. There you go. There we go. They are proteins that build up and clump up inside the brain. Oh, neurofibrillary tangles. Neurofibrillary gotcha. tangles. Gotcha. That's right. Gotcha. Hyperphosphorylated neurofibrillary tangles. Yeah, hyper hyperphosphorylated tau protein that are most commonly known as primary. I got it. Nailed it. Uh, So those are the main targets. But if you think about it, compare it to, um, compare those protein buildups, you know, the plaques and the tangles to like garbage bags. Oh, I see this. I wish I had a visual for you guys. Like looking at this, I get it a little bit better. Sorry, keep going. You take, uh, you, you, you just build up trash in your house every day just because you use stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The brain is no different. It uses stuff and it'll build up trash. Sometimes it, it builds up too much, right? So these tau tangles and these amyloid plaques build up too much, so we need to get rid of them. Something is wrong with the machinery or we're just producing too much and it's overwhelming the machinery. So people targeting those that build up, they're, they're not targeting the problem, they're targeting the result of the problem, right? So in my research, um, not to toot my own horn, but we want, we want to go more towards the cause of the buildup rather than trying to target the buildup, which targeting the buildup is going to be important no matter what, because there's always going to be, be people who develop these tangles and these plaques. But if we can figure out what's causing them, which is what we're looking into, 
then perhaps we won't have to worry about cleaning them up because we can just stop them at the at the From source. Even getting there, right? And ultimately, tell me if this analogy is incorrect because I f- I feel like this will help me understand it better. Ultimately, you want to be the trash man, right? Right? No, no, because I'd be <laughs> you. You don't even want the trash to get there, right? We want we want to your, find a your way garbage sh- suit to shoot. To reduce, right? our, <laughs> reduce our carbon footprint. Well, right? that, like, well, that's what I was thinking about too. I'm like, man, it's in, it's insane. Like, like when you look at things like on a molecular level, even like when you go all the way out to like the Earth, like we're really having a problem getting rid of all this trash that we have. Um, so, okay, I get it. So you just want that not to exist at all, right? We want we want to try and prevent too much buildup of the trash anyway, so that the trash man doesn't doesn't have to. <laughs> That was his nickname in uh, high school sports. In case anyone was wondering, <laughs> the trash was that, man was that why you have to do his that, job. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure he's pointing at himself right now, and I should probably explain to everybody that that's the reason he paused and did the trash man. That's interesting. But what I imagine with that is, man, so you just that's got to be difficult. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but what's sad about that is when I see sort of the, not to like caress your ego or stroke your ego or anything like that. Like Please. When I, see people, when I see people like you who've decided to dedicate their lives to something like this and then like I see what I dedicate my life to, I'm not going to say out loud what I do. Um, it's like, man, there are significantly better ways of using our time um, and resources as human beings because I don't want to like end right now, but I just want to say the point of all of this for me is since we all know someone that is affected, like for example, heart disease, we kind of know what causes that. There, yeah, there are a lot of things, but yeah, we, we know a pretty good idea. We have a pretty good idea of the major causes. There's always, like I said, genetic con- contributions that you can't do a lot about. Cancer, we kind of we don't necessarily know the cause, but like we have. Pretty decent ways of eradicating it. Like, I would, I would, pretty I could awful, be wrong. Yes, yeah, I, I would postulate that we can get rid of more cancer than we can these neurological disorders right now. If you look at the top 10 leading causes of death, almost all of them, except for Alzheimer's disease, have either stabilized in the number of cases or the number of new cases every year or decreased because of our effective treatments. Alzheimer's disease has increased by like 60 to 70% every year. Okay. So if you look at all of those and how, how much worse they're getting, Alzheimer's is getting so much worse than almost every other disease. Then you look at the funding given to all the, the top 10 leading causes of death. You have tons of funding to cancer to heart disease and and justly so because they make up a huge portion of it right but the treatments are being becoming effective right and heart disease shouldn't even be a major issue because we know that if you live a decent lifestyle you don't smoke right mm-hmm. you're not going to get heart disease or it's going to happen when you're much older yeah with alzheimer's disease the funding is like one percent compared to the funding to to cancer or heart disease because i would hypothesize the reason that is right is because it's not as sexy of a disease if that makes sense it's so much easier to be like these little kids have this true and 
to be like, oh, these 65, they look, like we, I, you made that joke last week where I was just like, well, at least like they got it in their 70s. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, because they, they live their life. So it's, they yeah, live they can die. Life. We they can, can, let, die. Them we can die. let them die. I, I, and I have that sentiment, and I wonder if a lot of people view it that way, where it's like maybe something like ALS or MS that. These and I'll be honest, I, I don't know a ton of neurological disorders. Like I, I've named all five of them basically. <laughs> so you got you got Alzheimer's, you got MS, ALS, and Parkinson's are like the only four that I know. Uh, so I wonder if people look at it because it seems like ALS was super popular, but I also see younger people being affected by ALS. Like I have written down here, there was this documentary called Gleason that was on Amazon about the Saints football player who developed it and he developed it when he was in like his 30s. Right. And so I wonder if that's why ALS is seen so much more attention as opposed to Alzheimer's because like, well, they're in their 60s. Yeah, I, that, that's definitely a valid point, right, of, of why they're not getting as much attention. But, you could discuss, but we could discuss the ethics of that. Like, okay, so who, who's deciding whose life matters in here. Right. Because you're, you're starting to get in eugenics. No. Like, if you really think about it, like, a person that thinks like that, in my opinion, is a eugenicist. Like, well, they're old. It, it, it's, <laughs> I hate to, I hate to, I'm not going to bring up Hitler. Uh, there were people back in the 40s who'd be like, let's kill these people with these degenerative diseases and get rid of them. Um, I don't know. The... <laughs> speaking of ALS... Took a turn. Speaking of ALS, <laughs> the, uh, um... The whole ice bucket challenge, even though I'll, I like to make fun of it just because, you know, it was a, it was a social media craze and it came and went, um, even though ALS did not go, it's still here, but it did a lot of good. They, they, uh, raised over a hundred million. It was like 120 or $111 million from the, the, the ice bucket challenge basically, which is pretty amazing. I, I was very surprised by that. The fact that it got that that attention is really what brought that the that funding. On the other side of that, you know, you you brought up the the ethical side of caring about our elders and wanting to help people who have this disease. Um, if we take the ethics completely out of it and just look at it from a financial standpoint, the amount that is spent on caring for Alzheimer's patients is almost up to $1 trillion every year. I believe it. The funding for all, all all research in the U.S. is, I think, $5 trillion. So one-fifth of what we spend to research on these is the, that, that same amount is spent just to, to deal with Alzheimer's patients. Wait, so let me not even the re- not so not to research the disease. Five trillion is all that we donate to causes. Like no, no, no. no. Research? Sorry, I was just Sorry. I was just trying to make a comparison of the the NIH has a budget of about five five trillion dollars to which they spread that money out to, to every, oh, okay, everything. gotcha. So that is a huge amount of money, but for every every disease, Alzheimer's gets like two hundred and fifty billion of that, which is a lot of money, but. One when trillion think is spent on one trillion Alzheimer's is care. Simply the cost of care, and that's not even the the cost uh, on people emotionally, and cost of people giving up their their jobs or their lives to care for someone who has Alzheimer's disease. That's simply how much does the U.S. medical system 
spend on Alzheimer's every year. Almost which, a trillion dollars. Which those emotional things they were talking about are huge things. Have, even, could you imagine trying to take a vehicle away from <laughs> your, your loved one being like, sorry, like you're still, because what sucks is they're still cognizant. Like they still know what's going on. Like it's just because you have these lapses, you can no longer drive. Yeah. And until you actually have to do that, and I have not had to do it yet, and I'm pretty sure I won't have to, uh, because that's exactly the reason I don't live in <laughs> anywhere near my parents. Um, we'll let uh, Monty take we'll care Monty. of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you for being the oldest. Uh, I just imagine that is tough. And then looking at my grandma on the flip side, she, when she was diagnosed with it, I'm going to get these years wrong because I was so young when it was, but I'm feel like I'm kind of, I feel like she was diagnosed or was at least having it like 1996 97 and probably from like 2000 to 2004 ultimately um I hate saying this like vegetable like just right. in a vegetative state doesn't recognize anyone being fed through a tube um and then eventually you have to make that really tough decision where it's like yeah they're not dying do we just continue to let them be fed off this feeding tube or do we let them ultimately starve to death. Right. Like those, those are incredibly difficult decisions that at least potentially, maybe not five million people have to, the families of five million people yeah. have to make. Yeah. It's draining financially, emotionally, everything. Right. Cause the care, like the hospice care, I don't even know if she was on hospice. Like I don't, like I said, I was young when it was going on. Right. Um, but it's that I'm glad that, that we had that, uh, discussion right there because ultimately that is the reason why I wanted to talk about this is not that anybody's going to listen to this but like <laughs> but it needs more funding yeah and that's why I brought up like my time and resources where I'm spending them because I'm not maybe I'm not putting time into it but I could put resources into it right and potentially save myself in the future if people want to look at it selfishly, at least it'll be helpful for others as well. Like accidentally, like that would be a great uh, side effect. Yeah. Just, Oh, since this person was only caring about themselves, they donated this money. They ended up not getting it, but Hey, it helped this other person. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing that I want to say, the hot pepper challenge Hmm. is a new thing that ALS is doing right now. Not, it did not get as popular as the ice bucket challenge. So like you have the polar opposites, ice and hot, um, I saw it on NBA Countdown on ESPN a couple weeks ago. I'm like, what is this? And I, then I thought I was going to see it explode. But maybe eating a hot chili pepper isn't as easy as like dousing yourself in icy water. I'll be know. honest. I hate spicy food. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... Uh, I mean, I'm not, I didn't do either of them. I won't do either <laughs> of them. Like, it was super weird at the time because I just remember being very resentful. Be like, How about you guys just donate money? I, was like, I guarantee a lot of these people aren't... Right. actually spending money and that's what I didn't like about it but the fact that they made as much money as they like, oh, okay whatever cool it, it made you, out you can you can have some of the idiots who are just doing it like to get attention hey if it gives it some some speed and some advertisement for free then that's what eventually made the 111 million dollars for ALS and i read on, on uh, the same article that uh, with that money in the last year they've discovered another gene that contributes to ALS so the money went to good use, and the ice bucket challenge was not for nothing. So discovering, uh, this is kind of going back to what we already said, but you said they discovered a new gene 
ultimately discovering a new gene just makes it they can ultimately get a bigger picture yeah, of everything get, and then they can okay right figure out how how they to can how they can from okay there. yeah that's why that's important yeah did you have anything else that you wanted to mention one one of the things i was thinking about uh as far as the uh the whole craze with the ice bucket challenge is that social media has brought about this new era of people claiming science literacy that don't necessarily understand science. The, I saw one comparison of, you know, the I effing love science. Um, they, they have so many great posts and they're, I do love science. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I love seeing some of the posts that they put on, but it's interesting if you look at the posts that are actual real science the number of likes on those posts is dismal compared to the things that are science-ish but really cool or you know uh, really interesting to a certain demographic or whatever. Not necessarily science, but something that's on the IFLS page. So I like science, so I'm gonna I'm gonna like it. And there, it's huge numbers. It's just a huge difference between what is actually science and what is just for, I don't I, I don't even know the term like pop science. Like, or something oh, like that. did you know that redhead, green-haired people are only like one percent of the world? Like that is that what you mean by like the kind of like dorkier stuff? Like because that is science, but it's just like what does that do for anyone? Right. So the the thing I guess my take-home message with this whole thing um, and why I I love I I love research, but I, why I also love teaching science um, is because I like, I would even say I love helping people to understand uh, something by themselves. When when the light bulb clicks and they they understand a topic or they, they make an application to their own life, I love seeing that. And there's nothing that I hate more than looking on Facebook and having someone you know, like and post some pseudoscience BS topic that is claiming to be science. And I wish that more people would take the time to, to read and to understand certain, um, certain aspects of science and really understand what it is. Cause just because it's published in a well-named, not well-meaning, like a well-named publication doesn't necessarily mean anything. No. Um, the thing that I look for the most is I just go straight to sample size if I'm ever doing anything research-based uh, because most of the things that you're referring to that people talk about, I'll go into them and I'll be like, and this was done on 50 people. Yeah. Like l- legitimately done on only 50 people. Yeah. And then you bring that up to somebody, and they're like, "Look, they're they're a little bit ashamed when you bring it up." But then you also feel like a douche bringing it up to them because <laughs> like, you're just like you're you're ultimately calling them an idiot. Like you're right. dumb. You didn't you didn't read this. Obviously, you right. obviously did not read this. Right. But yeah, I have seen that a lot. Right. And the 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 field of statistics, which I don't particularly love, but I definitely appreciate for the the power that it gives certain studies, is completely misunderstood by the general popula- population. Uh, statistics in themselves 
can be twisted and changed to say kind of whatever some author or some newspaper wants it to say or, or whatever. whatever. If you don't actually understand what the statistics are saying, then the science is lost, which is really unfortunate. And I just like to say, I had a lot of light bulb moments and Kevin did not react with joy. He said that he loved it, <laughs> but he, I had lots of them. I tried my hardest to, to learn today. Um, so I think the two takeaways from both of us, mine being we need to fund neurological disorders more than we are currently, in particular Alzheimer's with those numbers you're saying, and get your facts straight when you're looking at studies and things that claim to be using statistics because just because it's just because somebody decided to write about it doesn't necessarily mean that it's anything. Um, so I just want to say uh, thanks, Kevin, for stopping by. And I would love to have you again, um, only for science-based, because I'm going to put you into a niche and because you have no experience or knowledge about any other things besides science. I'm so upset that you didn't invite me to the <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> podcast. Never. It's, well, for someone who's so into science, I'm just saying that's the reason I didn't do it. Um, but next time I have something that I want to talk to, uh, I want to talk about, I'll talk to you guys again. Give us one more chance to change your mind.